welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm joined today by Emily. Hi everyone. And for the first time in a long time, Jack. Welcome back to the podcast, Jack. Hello. So Jack has been on the podcast before, haven't you? And it was when we interviewed him about his work with the Message Trust. Um, So if you'd like to listen to that and hear a little bit more about who Jack is and what he does, uh, check out episode 17 and you'll hear a lot more um, there. And actually, Jack is also a present member of our um, listener group. So if you want to ask Jack some questions and pick up on think everything he says in this episode and quiz him on it, I'm sure he'd love to have that conversation with you in the listener group. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to have some discussions around uh, these topics, isn't it? And delve into them a little bit deeper. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to find that space, just hop onto Facebook and search SSOM Listener Group, and that should appear for you there. So um, in today's episode, we are talking about uh, the topic of what to do when you age out of youth groups. And it's actually uh, a conversation that me and Jack were having at a youth worker conference. And Jack, yeah, would you be all right to just explain a little bit of where this idea has come from? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I'm really glad to be having a conversation about now because it's such a hot topic for me. I found myself at a uh, a stage of life where this is something I'm wrestling with almost for myself and for my family in church now. And um, I guess it was almost accelerated by the pandemic and the sudden, not the need not to be in church, but we didn't have that choice. It was forced upon us. We weren't in church in a physical sense. Therefore, I was out of the habit. I was out of the routine of it. And then I found myself with free Sundays. And actually, I didn't engage with church very well online. And it just wasn't for me. So suddenly now as churches have reopened, we find ourselves in church on a Sunday. I found myself really wrestling with that question. Well, why am I here? As many people are, and actually many people should be. Um, But why am I here? What is church to me? Why is it important? And what I've kind of come to the conclusion about now is I feel like I've possibly aged out of church and find myself at a bit of an impasse as to what's next for me and for my family. I think when I was younger, um, for a bit of context, I didn't even step foot into a church setting until I was about 14 years old. Um, But I found myself with an absolute plethora of activities and um, programme to engage with and people who were so invested in me, youth workers and volunteers and people who were just constantly helping me along my journey of discipleship and figuring life out and different life stages and things like that. And that carried on right into my even 20s. And then I feel like when I hit 25 and I got married and a couple of years later bought a house and then another year later had a child and became a father and things, suddenly I've looked around me and I've gone, hang on a minute, how is the church actually supporting me now? And to be absolutely blunt about it, I'm not sure it is. I don't think the church is really supporting me at a time where I'm probably most in need of support for life than ever. Um I feel like we've got more stresses and responsibilities than I've ever had, Um, more need to have a bit of a moan about things that are going on in life and more need to kind of ask the questions of people who are in a similar position to me of what's next, how do I deal with these things, how do I respond to these things in my life. And the church, I think, should be such a key place for some of those conversations and I just don't feel like I've got it anymore. Yeah, I I think it's such an interesting thing and I, I really hear you when you say that as a, like especially I guess in our context with the Salvation Army, there's a really strong youth work kind of collection of, of groups and um, collection of youth workers that really invest in young people. 
and you know I, I've certainly been blessed to um, have these people feed into my life as a young person and then you reach an age where suddenly actually you can't just keep going to those groups I mean um, some some people return to those groups as leaders and that's their way of still being in, in connection with them but they're actually what what is for specifically those people that age out of youth groups uh, it's a great time to have this conversation as well because last week we spoke about um, generations um, we spoke about how to, how the church can operate cr- across generations and can um, pull together and realize the strengths of each generation but actually this raises a different question doesn't it this raises the question of discipleship and how do we need a cohort of people at that same stage of life to do discipleship alongside us and I think there's an argument to say yes absolutely we we do need we need people who understand what we're going through and in the time that we're going through it and they need them there to speak into our lives but that's tricky because we don't always have that in our churches so I think um, yeah that'll be good for us to delve into in a little bit. So our first question, Emily. Yeah, so I mean, I suppose in a way, this question is maybe a tricky one for Jack to answer based on where he's just sort of said that he's at, really. Um, And it's interesting that we've talked about us ageing out because, you know, I'm approaching 30 next month and I think some members of my congregation would still include me in the youth, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because it really speaks to the demographic of your church when you're still included in in that bracket when really you know um many of us in that age category are now married and um you know completely at a different phase of life than we were um so but my question really is how did you personally navigate your faith when you aged out and I suppose to put it in into um, a neater bracket for me I'm thinking that churches tend to do well Um, up to about the age of 16 I would say between 16 and 18 is a crucial age for young people to move away from church and faith and some churches are really fortunate to have great student workers Um, so but I'm asking sort of from maybe 16 and beyond like how did you navigate your faith when you aged out at that point I'll throw it to Ed first yeah so I, I found uni pretty tough, um, but then I still think that there were specific groups for students available within the church. There were people that, um, that were, were set up to encourage and develop students that I was in contact with, which was really helpful. But I guess when I like, aged out of, of even that and suddenly found myself you know, married and um, working and trying to fit church in and... I was quite lucky that, you know, I got a job working for the church and I um, was invited into a lot of the spaces that I used to be in, in a leadership capacity. So that felt like it wasn't that, I didn't have that sense of loss in a way. So I guess it's it's been slightly different for me, but I've really found it an empowering time, I guess, because of my my work, I guess. And, you know, I, I need to never forget the privilege that is within the church capacity because there are I have been linked up with a lot of people that are exploring leadership in the church or are doing pioneering within the within the Samish Nami it's the the buzzword that um, we're sometimes linked up with with what me and Sophie do here and there are a number of people across the UK that we've been able to get in contact with and journey alongside um, 
but I really recognise that that is not the story for everyone in in our in our position. So I do feel very very lucky, really, that we've managed to slip into some circles that do have people who are at a similar stage of life and do have um, th- those opportunities to engage in a meaningful way and disciple each other in that journey. Um, so yeah, I, I think ha- how have I navigated it? Um, I felt like I've really just fallen in a really privileged way <laughs> through through all of it. So um, yeah. I think it's quite interesting to that it's really good to hear your story there. And I think what is important is listening to each other's circumstances and stories because they're all so different. And it makes me realise that I'm almost fortunate in a way that I didn't go to university um, and I left college with some A-levels and then went straight into a job. And what that meant is it, I didn't go off on my own, independent to a new place in a new city again, where I was probably too inexperienced uh, in my Christian journey or too immature in my Christian journey to maybe take that responsibility upon myself to go and find a Christian group, to find a church or the Christian union. Um, because it had just not been a big enough part of my life, I think, by that stage. But by avoiding university and going into work, it meant that I was still accessing church on a Sunday morning. It meant that I still had all my friendship groups around me still, and we were still doing church together. I actually wanted to be there because of the social side of things. Um, It meant that the discipleship aspects were something I've really delved into because I was doing it with my friends and it helped me to really form my basis of faith at an early age without the worry of having to do it on my own. So I guess in that sense, yeah, my discipleship journey was just exactly what I needed to be. And again, almost fortunate that it landed that way because I think had I gone to university, it possibly would have been a bit of a different story. Um, And it helped teach me how to actually do my own discipleship as well, how to be self-sufficient in my faith journey. And I probably didn't start to struggle until I reached into my 20s and then life started to happen to some people and some of my French group went off to a different church and some left the church and some had bad experiences within the church and we had to explore those things. And then suddenly these friendship groups that had been so key to my journey were starting to break down a little bit in the church and change and that's when I had to really get on board with, okay, how do I do this for me? And um, how do I figure out who God is to me and not just rely on this journey of peer discipleship and friendship groups around me for my spiritual nourishment, really, I guess. Um, yeah, and it's an interesting one for me, actually, because I think when I went to university, I was wouldn't have classed myself as a Christian at that point. I probably wouldn't have said I was in a strong faith position and I think it's a testament to the story of um, student workers and people that pursue a relationship with people I was pursued by a student worker when I got to York University and she would ring me all the time and ask if I wanted to go for coffee and I rarely even responded to her voicemails but she persistently would reach out to me Um, and my own sister actually eventually just said will you come to church with me on a Sunday and I think eventually I gave in and um, I went back to university and I I then was at a church that was student focused and student based 
And what was brilliant about that, and I've been thinking about this a lot in preparation for this evening, is the way that teaching was done was really great for the age that we were at. It was it was discuss discussion based. It was apologetics. It was sitting around a table with coffee and discussing the Bible. And I think one of my frustrations as an adult is that the things that the way that we learn as children, and actually even the way that we learn as adults, is by sitting around and discussing and learning from each other. And I was thinking. How often, apart from in church, do we ever go and sit and listen to one person speak for 20 minutes when it comes to teaching? You know, you wouldn't do that in a classroom. You would maybe do it in a lecture. But even then, I think you would have um, more materials and more di different ways of learning. I think that's something that we've lost as a church. And I think it's that is stuck in tradition because I think in the future, if we don't evolve the way we do teaching, we're going to lose a lot of people. And so I think that for me is something that I maybe I'm grappling with now when it comes to aging out. I would love to be sat doing interactive um, conversations with people. It's how I best learn. And actually, that's why this podcast has been so brilliant, because it's sparked my mind and my imagination so much more, actually, than having to sit and listen to a talk. And that's not to diminish brilliant teachers or preachers, but I just think, you know, we, we, we give children in our churches and teenagers a rich environment. And it's not always about an attractive model. It's not always about come and see this. What it is about is that um, journey of learning from each other and that dialogue that I think that we lose as adults. Because now we go and we take our seats and heaven forbid are we asked to turn to the person next to us and share something with them we get out of that habit very quickly as adults. So that's something I'm, I struggle with now. But in my own story, I was fortunate to have student workers that pursued me and actually that loved me and were gracious towards me through difficult decisions um, that I made and many, many mistakes that I made. Yeah, that, that really resonates with me. Like, uh, that's something me and uh, my wife Sophie talk about a lot is this idea of preaching and we went on a uh, a course uh, called prepare to preach that the Salvation Army run and we just spent a lot of time while we were there um, just thinking about preaching and thinking about this model of sit down and listen to the person on the stage for 20 minutes to half an hour if you're lucky um, and it does just feel like it it doesn't seem to work for us anymore and it made us made us reflect about um, our Sunday experience. And growing up, I did get my teaching on a Sunday. Those there were youth groups there that were there to to um, engage with us, and they would speak to us in a way that we could engage. We had conversations. That's what Sunday looked like for me quite often in a youth group. And really, I would say that for me now, I don't get any teaching on a Sunday. Um, at all because I'm I'm working <laughs> I'm engaged in leading youth groups or children's groups or make running around making sure doors are unlocked or locked or someone spilt water over there so I need to go clean up someone's thrown a cup of tea over there and I need to sort it out it's all just busy busy and I need to get it done and it's all serving other people but my church experience where I'm being taught and I'm being discipled are my Monday nights in these conversations for the podcast and my Tuesday nights were with our Bible study that we're part of. And 
I guess that's quite a radical shift in this whole discipleship journey that growing up it was it was very much a um Sunday I can go and I'll be fed whereas now it's much more of a I need to be really creative and really think about the spaces that either I'm creating or facilitating or where I can engage in in that discipleship so yeah it, it raises loads of questions about you know, do we throw out this model of church that we've got, or does that actually do, do us, you know, millennials, um, big bracket there, uh, need a different style of church? Do we need a church for every different generation? I don't know. Um, yeah, it, I've, I've got a million questions off the back of all of that. <laughs> I think it's a, a question that has been asked in church and by church members for many years and will continue to be asked for many years to come and i just think the the problem is that there isn't an answer as to how do we do um sunday morning so that it fits for everybody because you just you can't it's that's the one thing that i think we can all agree on is you can't cater to absolutely everybody but i think what's really important i've discovered for myself is making sure that if sunday mornings aren't um, giving me what I need, aren't giving me that spiritual nourishment, that teaching, that discipleship, actually go out and seek it elsewhere and make sure that I make the time for that. So it's really good to hear you say the Monday nights, doing the podcast discussions and the Tuesday night Bible studies. Um, for myself, it was when uh, my daughter Lily was born. I mean, she's coming up on four in March, which just blows my mind. But I kind of remember back to those early days when she was a baby, fine, you know, she'd sleep or she'd you know, wake up and need a feed or something, I could still kind of engage with Sunday mornings and what was going on there. But when she got to the point where she could kind of walk and make noises and then run around and just need constant attention, actually my Sunday mornings were just disappearing without me taking anything in whatsoever because I've been so focused on this little girl that just had 100% of my attention. And it got to the point where I was going, I am here for just the sake of it at this point i'm getting nothing from it um i'm here purely just because i think it's a good environment for her to be in but i'm getting nothing so i had to go out and seek other forms of um, worship and discipleship and teaching and for me it was podcasts uh, of sermons and of other christian content while i was driving into work and that completely transformed my outlook on my faith journey and where i was at, at that time and the struggle i was having to suddenly been in a place of, oh, I'm back. I'm, I'm finally getting what I need. And um, yeah, and that was almost, again, just me reaching, almost aging out. But I guess I was past the point of aging out by this point because I was in my late 20s. But uh, I'd reached a new life stage and suddenly the church wasn't giving me what I needed at that point. I had to go out and seek it elsewhere. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I think we do have to be self-sufficient. And I think that that's a skill that a lot of young people, myself included, probably didn't quite get fed to us properly as we did that transition in from young person into adult as how much you need to be self-sufficient in your journey. And you can't rely on those youth leaders and church leaders uh, and Sunday mornings and other programs throughout the year to kind of give you those things that you need. So yeah, it was a real eye-opener just to have this little girl in front of me taking all my attention to suddenly wake up and realise, oh, I'm getting nothing that I need here and figuring that bit out. I do think the pandemic has definitely exposed for a lot of people, particularly young adults, I would say, what it is about 
their church expression that they love and what it is that they're not so enamored with and I think that we have to be realistic about what we're um why we're participating in gathered church and um not not expect that we're gonna get um good teaching great fellowship brilliant discipleship amazing events from that one expression of church and that ultimately if a church is mobilized then you know as we've spoken about in the past then hopefully we do have people in positions that are brilliant teachers and we have you know great evangelists that are drawing people in and all those different things but it's that reality isn't it that church is messy and the pandemic has certainly exposed I think our weaknesses in terms of the institution and even in terms of our local settings and so I think it's a really really big time of re-evaluating for so many people I think for me maybe the pandemic has made me fall out of love with the institution of church and the way that we do things on a Sunday but what I would say to anyone younger than this is that we have to acknowledge that Christ is the cornerstone of our faith not the church and whilst the church is an amazing vehicle and ought to be you know we are um you know with with Christ you know we have the bride and the groom and we have this wonderful union and it, and it ought to be this glorious picture that it really is Christ that's the cornerstone of our faith and I think where we we start to fall down on these issues is when we are holding the church up too much as well we've, we've built the foundation of our faith on the church and we'll always be let down in that respect I think That's a really important point. And it, it moves us on to, in a way, uh, our next question. So Paul got in contact with me and when he said he couldn't make it to the episode, he wanted to make sure that his question did. And he raised this idea around um, the way we do youth groups, um, where we, we create interesting and enjoyable events and just invite people to them like um, a board games evening or um, or just, yeah, th- these fun these fun things that you can do together as fellowship and then just the conversations around those activities being what you're after and the, the exciting, important aspect of them. And he kind of brought up this idea that when we get to kind of beyond the youth group ages, those sort of groups tend to tend to stop. We don't see as many just social, purely enjoyable um things set up for the church uh, by, by the church for people to attend um, and this is something that I, I'm quite passionate about um, as I love board games it's one of my passions in life and um, we are me and uh, my wife are really quite keen that we we do that a lot so we try and organize uh, social evenings where we just put on a quiz or we'll um, just bring a bunch of board games and order a curry and invite people to our church and say we're going to be here if you want to come hang out do and uh, they're always um yeah people seem to like him and we enjoy him and we don't tend to need to look for anything beyond the value of just being together um but yeah i i think he, his point is that sometimes that that simple thing of just creating um that enjoyable event would be that kind of fellowship that is perhaps needed to encourage discipleship 
Um, and we were kind of fleshing out this discussion um, just before we hit record. And we thought, actually, it raises an interesting point because there is another side to this coin. And it's come up um, a couple of times when we've spoken about self-sufficiency. And it's this idea that perhaps we have also made church too consumeristic, where we are thinking, okay, actually, if we're going to do discipleship, if we're going to do fellowship, we just need to create fun stuff for people to come to. That is uh, kind of low um, commitment, low cost, and it is just they come along and enjoy it, and that is that is good. And that is very we make a good product of church in a way. And I think there is this tension between these two ideas of we want to encourage fellowship and we want to gather people together and we want to become this, you know, big church family that all know each other deeply and have really deep relationships. But also we don't want to just come to a place where actually people's faith and people's relationship is entirely dependent on program that the church run and actually that they are not responsible for their own faith as well. So this isn't Paul's question. This is my question off the back of Paul's question. How do we hold that balance? How do we hold that tension? Because uh, I really I really don't know. <laughs> I think that that word balance is really key there. And it was the word that was actually going through my mind as you were talking there. And um, I think back to my own personal journey of discipleship. And as I said earlier on, not even stepping foot in a into a church setting really until I was about 13 or 14 and even that to start off with was a youth club um but I kind of can almost feel like I can identify key parts of my life where God was almost interfering or um intervening and really stepping in saying Jack I want you as part of my family when I was invited to the youth club at the Salvation Army and when I arrived and found that the current ministers at the time were volunteers at the youth club and there was a youth worker there who I got on really well with and was talking to me about his faith journey and the fact that he invited me to youth church and then the fact that the person invited me to youth club suddenly invited me to a Sunday morning as well and and there's just it was all so program focused on on the face of it but actually within each of those aspects there was such key relationship and such key discipleship um, that came from individuals and then throw in the mix as well a peer journey as well I'd got my friends that were taking the very same journey with me from the same point of turning up at this youth club and then suddenly attending some of these programs and you just got the perfect storm of of Jack, I want you as part of my family and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you there. And and I think that had it just been programme focused, I probably wouldn't have been too interested when suddenly someone was trying to talk to me about Jesus. In the same way that if they were just trying to bring me into the church and say, we want to tell you about Jesus and you're just going to sit and you're going to listen. Again, I wouldn't have been interested. It was the absolute perfect balance of... Um, having the right program in place and the right people who were obviously having the right heart for it um, that kind of brought me into my discipleship journey. And I'm caught, I'm, I am aware that that's my story and that's my journey and what works for me might not work for anybody else. Um, some people may be more swayed towards program. Some people might be more swayed towards the discipleship or the fellowship um, specifically. So it is. It's a very interesting question. I just think without the balance um, and without an individual's perfect storm, it's a really difficult one to explore. 
think there's an important distinction to make as well because we're, we're all throwing words around like discipleship and fellowship and socializing and actually those things aren't synonymous with each other because one thing I find is that young adults that fall away from church attendance or being part of a church have realized they can have the social element easily and they can continue with the social element but the discipleship is missing and it's those conversations that you've just talked about Jack where an individual has invested in you had that amazing relationship with you and they've shared Jesus with you and I think that's something you know I don't know that we always do youth discipleship well I think we do youth social well don't know that we always do youth discipleship well and I think that that is you know I think everything comes back to discipleship and sharing Jesus together and yes sometimes that is just meeting around the mealtime but it's also about asking those questions isn't it of what is Jesus doing in your life or actually you know what are you struggling with at the moment and how is faith helping you in that um because I think that we can too easily fall into the habit of of just socializing without the discipleship element and then we can call it discipleship because we're meeting with other Christians but actually you know some of my most spiritual conversations that I have are with um (laughs) non-believers and it's shameful isn't it you know that when we think when we consider that I'm sure we would all say that's the same and I think especially because we're in the roles that we're in it's almost easier to share faith with people when you are you're you're employed to do it you know in a way you've been called to it and I don't know that we're all we we make a lot of assumptions about the fact that we're all in the church building and therefore we don't have to actively try to have discipleship with each other and I do think that is a key thing sort of what you were saying at the beginning Jack that I think that and I've said this loads and I sound like a broken record I've probably said it on the podcast but I think the thing that the pandemic has revealed is which churches have had good and strong discipleship and actually where they haven't. And I think that's where we're seeing people fall away because with good discipleship also brings good pastoral care. It brings that sense of being seen, known, valued and all those things as well. Yeah, and it also brings that encouragement to to engage in the missional side of our faith as well in that and actually that recognition of part of the the good news of our faith is that God isn't just you know happy for us to to just believe and go on a Sunday but actually he's inviting us to a life that he that is participating in what he's doing in the world as well and that there is this amazing grand narrative that we're invited to take our place in and actually that that is some like that's some of the most exciting things that I find about my faith and I find it really sad that actually when we create a discipleship that doesn't include the equipping and the sending of of people as well because then quite often I think we we do see churches that look more like country clubs than than churches because there's no and that's quite that feels quite a harsh way of phrasing that, but I think it's probably fairly accurate in some places. Um, when yeah, like you say that those real conversation about what is Jesus doing in my my life, but also what is Jesus doing in my community, um, and th- those kind of deep conversations aren't happening. It, yeah, it's a real deficit, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that um, I've 
when I spoke about this impasse that I've reached, this crossroads I've reached in my life at the moment, um, I recognise that a lot of that is down to the fact that, again, Sunday mornings aren't necessarily giving me what I need right now. And um, I think what I need right now is some good Christian fellowship and discipleship with people that I trust and love and who I'm on a very similar journey to at this point in my life. And Sunday mornings don't give me that. And I've always said for a very long time that myself and my wife are geographically challenged in the sense that all of my friends that that are just as I've described there, that I love and trust and would love to have those conversations with, they're kind of up on the M62 corridor in East Yorkshire. And I'm down here in South Yorkshire and, and I don't really feel like I have those people around me. So sometimes through social media or just through conversations, I see a lot of my friends up there meeting with each other on a regular basis, socialising, having that food together in those fun times. I think it's over an hour's drive each way for me. And with having um, family at home and one being so small and needing me to be at home, it's really difficult um, to have that and not to have the people close to me. But it's helped me to realise very recently, and again, Emily, I'll echo what you've said, the pandemic has almost revealed this to me. Um, That's what's important to me right now, and that's what I need for the continuation of my discipleship journey. Um, So, yeah, it's great that I found that I can go and listen to a podcast in the car on my way to work. It's great that I work in a Christian context where I've got good Christian people around me and we have those conversations. Um, But what I'm missing right now in my life is those people around me that I can meet with on a social basis and just make sure that we really bring Jesus into those conversations and not just socialise. Because I can socialise with anyone around here. I've got friends around here, but none that I can have that Christian fellowship and as Emily said, that really important discipleship conversations with each other as well. So the question that I had was, yeah, based completely around that. And it said, are we too dependent on peer discipleship when we're young? So that when we do age out and we see a drop off in peer attendance, we need to re-navigate church and engage with other groups that we possibly hadn't needed to before. And it's part of where I'm at right now, where um, well, I say right now, probably over the last 10 years where life has happened to people and some of my friends have got married and then found themselves in a different church together or some have left the church altogether. And as church changed around me, I found myself not having that peer discipleship, peer fellowship that I was so used to in church um, and then having to engage with with people of different age groups, different stages of life, um, maybe people who I don't have that kind of immediate strong trust with that I can open up to at that kind of level uh, and ask their advice about. And had I been encouraged to do that a little bit more when I was younger, the wider uh, multi-generational worship, would that have put me in better standing now? Or is it just down to my personality and how I engage? I think that's kind of where I'm at and wondering. So, yeah, are we too dependent on that peer discipleship as we're journeying through youth uh, and all those programs that exist for us? This, yeah, feeds really into that generational conversation in a way of we, we're always going to find it easier to communicate amongst people of our of a similar age group or generation, aren't we? It takes it takes away some of those barriers. Um, and you know, I've spoken to a lot of people recently about 
the the move towards intergenerational stuff so rather than taking all the groups all the different age groups off into different places and doing things specifically for them actually trying to put people together and do that cross um, cross generational work and um, engagement encourage those conversations so that actually we can see the benefits of of each of each group and actually value each group differently and I love the idea of it I think it's really it's really wonderful and I think there definitely is a space for it but I do have this, yeah, I do, I do think there is a need as well for, for that journeying alongside people who are currently going through the stuff that you're going through, who know what it's like today to deal with what it's like to be someone your age or someone going through the similar life things as you. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know where the balance is, is here. Um, I think it's, it's a real privilege that we're in a place where largely the church does have the ability to to do um cross-generational stuff at times and hopefully you know we'll be able to be in a place where we can do the the journey alongside as well i guess it's not really it, the ideal is a both and rather than either or but um that's not always achievable is it um yeah sorry i'm rambling here <laughs> no i think it, what was really good there is though when you said something it really jumped out to me when you said that do life now in this day and age um because i have no doubt whatsoever that if i was to go to somebody elderly in my core and ask them about their experience in a parent in a toddler who was suddenly you know throwing tantrums and all this other they'd be able to tell me some stories and tell me about what it was like when they went through that even though their children are now grown up but actually in this day and age of social media and the uh, sorry not social media but technology in particular um where the tv and youtube is the third parent in my household actually that's something that they wouldn't necessarily be able to relate to and times have changed and the world around us is very different so yeah i'm sure there's stuff i could learn from them but i'd much rather hear from somebody who's doing it um and what their experiences are at the moment i think there's a couple of things that that of sort of sparks in my mind the first one is are we sometimes too um duty bound or committed to our particular denomination not to just move somewhere where we might be more comfortable um because i think ultimately nationally there probably are quite a lot of young adults feeling quite isolated in particular churches uh, and they haven't made the move because they've always been there and it's too fit it's too much of a fear inducing thing to think well maybe I will go and find somewhere where I can have that sense of discipleship um and the other thing that I was going to say is it just strikes me that you know the early church was a scattered church and um Paul wrote his letters didn't he to other Christians and we're so much more connected now. I think it's been our downfall in a lot of ways, but we're so much more connected um, these days. And actually, I think the strength of the early church was in its scattering, and it was in its sent. It's, it was in its the way that it had been sent. And I think that that is Christ's plan for us. And yeah, I just think that um, the more we try to journey with Christ. And, and keep him at the center the more we will find the expression of church maybe the mattering to us less I don't know I, I think it is I think it is really difficult and um yeah certainly the stuff of life does lead us does leave us feeling these things about church but 
the answer in it it's as cheesy as it sounds the answer in it is always Christ isn't it and um you know I, I know a lot of people that have chosen to leave organized religion and but would still say they have that relationship with God and I just think I think sometimes I've heard it said once well it's fine if people leave as long as they it's fine if people try out other expressions as long as they come back to the army or you know things like that and I just think you know we need to release people to into deep relationship with Christ wherever that is and uh yeah totally agree I think ultimately it's got to be about what's what's best for your faith for your relationship with Jesus for your your mental health as well because that really comes into it often when we see people weighing up kind of church and community and family I guess in a way um I think there's another thing to mention that cross-denominational stuff is I think is incredibly important and is going to be one of the only ways the church survives in the UK (laughs) ultimately and so I think Quite, quite often we fall into the trap of thinking in silos of I was in this denomination, now I'm in this denomination. And to me, those barriers are coming down. They, they really are. And, you know, I, I, I worship at a Salvation Army church that's partnered with a Baptist church. So it's easy for me to say this at the moment because we're surrounded by cross-denominational stuff. But I think that's so important that the church really learns to to talk across these barriers and to build community across these barriers and to just see that we we are strong as the church. Um, we don't need to weaken ourselves by d- dividing ourselves up um, arbitrarily, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think there is, there is, well, certainly in my own sphere of kind of people of faith, I'm seeing moves being made and I'm, I'm seeing people move across those denominations for whatever reason for whatever whether that is because it works for them in their local setting or because they feel that they've you know outgrown one particular location and all that kind of stuff and I definitely agree I think it, it is the only way that we're going to survive and an enormous restructuring of the church is going to happen isn't it in the next five years and if it doesn't then sadly it's it's going to die in certain areas and certainly it won't thrive so yeah yeah i find this being a part of the message trust as well so once a month we gather for what we call a prayer day but essentially it's every employee from across the uk and sometimes internationally as well um will gather at our headquarters in manchester as a um hundred i think it's 170 plus group of um like-minded christians to just give praise and worship and testimony and share with each other but it's very ecumenical there's just people from all sorts of backgrounds and um and things going on there so as a salvation it's walking into that initially it was very surreal it was um almost a little bit scary to see some of the more enthusiastic uh, maybe a few pentecostals in there or something that were really giving it some um and actually what I've realized is that um, we all, you know, we all worship the same God. We all have the same kind of desire to see people come to know that God. So by partnering with each other, I think we do find ourselves stronger. We, dare I say, we complement each other's weaknesses or gaps in our ministries. Um, and yeah, just become more of a singular unit working towards the same goal. And I'm finding as well that churches across 
my region within my work are less territorial these days as well um particularly in youth work it used to be that the idea of partnering with another church for the purpose of youth work would be madness you know like if we bring young people to Jesus, which church will they go to or which denomination will they be a part of? And it's like, it really doesn't matter. They're going to be part of God's family. And as long as we find that, then, you know, hallelujah, good days. And um, I'm finding those barriers have been broken down as well. So, yeah, I think there is strength in unity like that as well. That is the, the, the warning, isn't it, to partnering with people. I completely agree that you're right on that issue of youth organisations working together. And sadly, I have seen it happen, as I'm sure you have, where it's territorial and it's and it's about poaching people and it's about this, that and the other. And I think that has just got to be um, the, the word of warning to people in partnership, that there is no room for ego and there's no room for empire building because it's God's kingdom and it's not ours. And the fact of the matter is we don't get to see all the seeds that are sown um, but they're, they're, they're Christ's to harvest, not ours. So, yeah, I think that applies not only in the youth work, but in church partnering, in um, church planting, wherever we're working in partnership, definitely. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it really is. Um, but I, I think there is so much value in it that we, we can't ignore it as an option. And perhaps that would be a good topic for us to discuss another time denominations perhaps we'll even get some people from other denominations in to share their thoughts on it because for us to have a conversation about denominations and stick to just the salvation army on the on the podcast probably wouldn't work very well but yeah we can have a think about that so that's all we have time for on today's episode thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate you giving your time and um yeah joining us in this podcast um if you'd like to carry on the conversation go find the ssom listener group on facebook and we'd be we'd love to answer any questions or just hear from your experiences and learn from you as well in that space that'd be really amazing but until next time be well be well